Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, yo. All right. Welcome to the FIGHT podcast, the weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I'm Serge Vicente, your host. And today we're going to go ahead and bless you guys with all of the fight news of the week. But before we get to that, the fight podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code fight for 20% off your first three months. Remember, the fight podcast is on all social media platforms at the fight podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. The Fight Podcast is on every place you go ahead and listen to your podcast. So let everyone know today. That's iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, and more, man. So check us out. Check us out. All right. Um, man. We are back, uh, episode 72. This is episode 72 of the podcast, man. Thank you all for joining us. Um, I Yes, I'm in Chicago for those of us who listened. And yo, it is every bit of negative 50 degrees outside. <laughs> That's with the wind chill. So um, look, man, I've lived in Chicago my entire life. And I have honestly never seen Chicago look like um, a ghost town. Doesn't matter how much it snows. Doesn't matter how much it rains. The weather doesn't matter to Chicagoans, man. We're just going outside. And uh, it was awkward. I went out to walk my dog. And believe me, he was not happy about it, man. Nico was... Uh, was kind of pissy, man. He he went ahead and took that first little bit of business and then started shaking and crying and stuff. So I had to pick him up and bring him back in the crib. But, um, yo, it was a ghost town. Nobody's outside. Again, with the wind chill, it was negative 50. It was like, at one point in time, I remember it was negative 22 when I got up in the morning. And, uh, yo, it's been bananas. But today, today's Thursday. I woke up this morning. It was negative 18 when I got up this morning. So what? Only a couple of degrees off. Yo, it, it might as well have been 50 degrees out today. Everybody's back outside. It's like Chicago woke up this morning and was like, Psh, man, whatever. We dealt with it. We can't be inside. We got stuff to do. And um, everybody's back to action, back to work. And we are here to bring you some more hotness from the Fight Podcast. And man, finally, finally, with all the fight news, everything that we've been talking about, um, I think something that has been weighing over the heads of uh, MMA fans over the last few months was what's actually going to go ahead and happen with 
Conor McGregor and Khabib after all the fallout with the uh, brawl after the, well, the quote-unquote brawl. Nothing really big happened, but still, the brawl after their uh, matchup earlier this past year. And uh, also, what's going to go ahead and happen to John Jones? Um, he also had um, a hearing this week, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about that today. Javante Davis uh, changing opponents and uh, a lot more, man. So we're going to go ahead and just go ahead and jump into it and really start off with the Nevada State Athletic Commission is finally, finally, finally ruled on Khabib and McGregor for their post-fight brawl that they had after their fight. Um, Khabib. So here's the thing, and I'm going to let you guys know what they had, what the punishments were, and honestly what I feel about it. So um, Khabib got nine months, was fined 500K, Conor McGregor was fined six months and uh, fined uh, 50K. Khabib's teammates, who also were uh, were in the brawl, he had two other gentlemen, and they were both fined for suspended for a year, and they were both fined twenty five thousand dollars. So um, that's important. We're gonna go ahead and put a pin in that and double back to it. But first and foremost, look, did the Nevada State Athletic Commission get this right? And that's what a lot of people are asking right now. A lot of people are sitting back and saying, is 500K, is that right? Is that the just punishment for what happened between Conor McGregor and um, and uh, and the champion Khabib Nurmagomedov um, in Brooklyn? And my answer is plain or should I say in Nevada, not in Brooklyn. Uh, my answer is no, not at all. Look, the suspensions themselves, I think, let's just talk about the suspensions. What actually happened? Okay, that's what I think a lot of people need to actually think about. We look at the suspensions, we look at them and say, yeah, that's fine. They jumped out of the cage. Did anybody get hurt when Khabib jumped out of the cage? No, nobody got hurt. In fact, it was contained so quickly, nobody even got hit. So, and that's outside of the cage. I'm not talking about what happened inside of the cage. So they put him outside, they bring him right back in. It's pretty much contained within the fighters. Everybody continues saying that Dylan Dennis, the individual that could be jumped out of the cage to get, was like an innocent bystander. He was a fan, he bought himself a ticket, and he was right there. No! That's not what happened at all. Dylan Dennis was a cornerman of Conor McGregor. He was somebody that was speaking out against Khabib, talking trash about his family and his and his, his upbringing and his religion and his race and everything. He was just as culpable as Conor McGregor was. So anybody who sits back and actually looks at this and says, yo, he had nothing to do with it. Khabib was outside of himself to go ahead and attack that man. You're wrong. Who are we to tell anybody when they had go ahead and shut it off? And yes, it's a fight. There are rules. We're not animals. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. But we're allowing one person across the line and we're not let allowing somebody else. And again, when we're talking about free speech in the sport, in combat sports, I'm going to come back to that as well, because that is something that was actually brought up in the hearings um, for McGregor and Khabib as well. So I'm going to go ahead and double, double back that talk about that again. But um, check this out. 
This is something that Khabib's manager said, Ali Al-Aziz, said that Khabib encounter receiving different fines is total bullshit. And this is according to Eric Hawani. And this is what the, the his actual statement said. So I don't think, and this is from Ali, I don't think it's fair. Khabib gets $500,000 and Connor only gets 50K. I think it's BS. On oh, the length and the suspensions, that's fair. They'll both get about six months for his teammates. It's too much. And I will say I agree with that, okay? Um, but not only do I think that the suspensions, and I already told you how I feel about the suspensions, I honestly don't think they should have either gotten suspended at all. Neither of them. It's nobody got hurt. It was totally contained. Why are we going ahead and trying to prove a point just because there's two of the biggest stars in the sport? It's dumb. Don't do that. Nobody should have got fined. Nobody should have got suspended. But... When it comes to the fine, okay, you have to set a precedent. I understand. They take the fine, which is a percentage of the purse. Connor got fined or got paid $3 million, quote unquote, $3 million for the fight. Khabib got $2 million. They went ahead and fined Khabib a quarter of that. He got so... You're taking $500,000 away from that man for what reason? I think that fine, the amount of it is totally ridiculous. And I'm going to put it like this. Think about when in the NBA, for instance, Chris Paul, somebody who comes to mind earlier this season, he got into a fight with Rajon Rondo of the Los Angeles Lakers. A lot of us remember it. A lot of people said Rajon Rondo pieced him up. I said, look, you got to look at the uppercut that Chris Paul threw um, at the end of the whole little debacle. Both men landed shots. I have to say, I think Chris Paul landed the hardest shot regardless. OK, um, we look at it. And we think about the fine. Chris Paul was suspended for two games and he was suspended five hundred thousand dollars. But that is a percentage of what he makes per season. That was two game checks for him. That was two game checks. He gets paid $250 per game. So we think about it and we think about how much they get paid, right? Khabib only made that amount of money for that time. That's $2 million for that event. And now you're trying to take him away for nine months. So he can't even make a living. He can't, It's not like you're suspending him for a game or two. You're suspending this man for the majority of the year. That's how he makes money. How is that fair? I think it's ridiculous. And um, I think a lot of people need to really see what's going on. And this brings me back to something that I've harped on for years. There needs to be a union. There needs to be some kind of union because if there's not, then we have situations like this happen where whatever athletic commissions or whomever can make up the rules as they go along. So this is what Khabib is saying after this. Khabib is pretty much saying on in regards to his um, his teammates who got suspended for a year. And not only did they get suspended for a year, they got suspended 25K. So Khabib is saying this, I will pay their fines for them. So I'm not worried about that. 
they're not going to worry about it. And since they're suspended to, to participate in Nevada and they are suspended for a year, I will also not ever compete again in Nevada. What does this mean for Khabib? Honestly, for Khabib, Khabib doesn't mean much. He's a huge star. No matter where he wants to compete, he's going to make money. But it also does set a precedent. And he says, look, you guys did my, my, my guys dirty. And since you have done my people dirty, I'm going to hold, hold a precedent. I'm going to prove I'm the man who I am. And he said he now will not fight for an entire year. So even though he was eligible to come back in July, he says, if my guys are suspended for a year, I'm not competing in Nevada for a year also. Which all, all of a sudden puts the UFC in a tricky situation. The situation that ends up putting him in is this. If he is suspended for a full year, what happens to the belt? Dan White has been on record saying if he was suspended for a year, he gets stripped of the title. So he's not suspended for a year. Are we still going to strip him if he doesn't compete for a year? What happens to Tony Ferguson, the number one contender, and Dustin Poirier, the number two contender? Do we have them fight against each other? And have an interim title belt? We've done that before. Tony Ferguson already had that position. He's done that. And he didn't get his belt. They stripped him of the interim belt. And he got hurt pretty much doing something for the UFC. So I don't see him honoring that. And if he doesn't honor that, what's going to happen to the division? Does this continue holding up the division? Do we strip, should they strip Khabib of the title? I don't believe they should, but I also don't believe that the UFC should pretty much stand on what Nevada is going to do anyways. I think they've grown to a point in time that they can really dictate what happens. And they're doing that, for instance, with the John Jones situation. Khabib brings in money. I don't see him being suspended for that point in time. And I also see this being um, taken down a little bit. Um... Do I think that Khabib needs to kind of calm down, take a deep breath, and actually eventually work with Nevada? No. Dig your heels in. Let your point be known because guess what? Conor McGregor did this. And uh, remember, not too long ago, they said, Conor McGregor, you have to pay 50, I think 500K and do some like 20 hours of video community service for an anti-bullying campaign. Yo, these bureaucrats drive me crazy. Like, they're sitting there just making these athletes do things for their own benefit to make them look good when you're not actually taking the athletes into account. They don't really care. All they're trying to do is prove a point. So forget that. I'm happy what he's doing. Don't allow um, them to pretty much bully him. Dig your heels in and keep doing what you're doing. Um, I like what Khabib is doing, and I'm with them. All right. Uh, moving on, there was, again, a lot of different things. Um, oh, and really quick, just talk, touching on that last one. Do I think Conor McGregor deserved that fine? He was the one that ended up getting beat up. He threw a punch, but no, I don't. 
I don't think Conor McGregor should have paid $25,000 in a fine. I don't think Conor McGregor should have um, been suspended for six months at all. Granted, is he going to compete in that time frame? No. So in the grand scheme of things, does it even matter? No. 25K is like pocket change to him or 50K is like pocket change. Yeah, but regardless, he shouldn't have had to do that. He shouldn't have to pay anything and neither do, in my opinion, should any of these guys maybe the one random dude in the all red who ended up jumping in and punching dude but get this here's a crazy thing about that entire situation in the brawl the individuals that actually jumped into the cage and struck conor mcgregor who were not actually sanctioned to compete in nevada at that time even though they're pro fighters since they weren't sanctioned to compete nevada can't find those guys anyways so what are we doing? Let this go, man. This is nonsense. Come on. We got to keep the party moving. Speaking of keeping the party going, uh, <laughs> John Jones um, was also in Nevada. He was also um, granted uh, a one fight license and 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 um, a one fight license to compete in UFC 232. And that'll be March 2nd against Alex Smith. So he was granted that license to compete and only under the stipulations that he will now be the highest tested athlete in the UFC. He'll get tested by three bodies, the State Athletic Commission, VADA, and, um, and, and the other one. So there's three different commissions. He said he's going to get tested by all of them. Now, something to remember. John Jones has actually failed three PED tests in the last two months. Okay. They're saying that as long as his PED markers do not elevate past the point that they have, which they are higher and higher, they would say that, okay, he can continue to compete. It's okay. My question is this. We're looking at somebody and they're trying to say the, the, the thing is that there's testing and the testing has gotten better and better. So if somebody has popped in the in the past, now they're going to start seeing these picograms and these pulsing effects of steroids or PEDs that are in your system throughout time. OK, and check this out. And this is just a little time frame right for john jones because look i'm gonna be honest with you 100 man i call bs right total bs um i think that somebody like john jones can we prove it i mean kind of he's pissing hot consistently and check this passed out prior to ufc 200 john jones tested positive for a banned steroid Weeks after UFC 214, another card a year and a half later, he tested positive again for banned steroids. For UFC 232, he has tested positive for traces of banned metabolites found in the USADA, USADA testing prior to UFC 232. And now he also has some same traces resurfaced in a VADA testing, a VADA drug test after that fight as well so four times in the last couple of years he has tested positive for peds and now we're continually giving him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity i think the nevada state athletic commission got this wrong and um i think it's a it sets a bad precedent right 
And this is why it sets a bad precedent when we actually look at it. When we actually look at it, the reason I think it sets a bad precedent is because now other fighters in the future, if they pop hot for the exact same things, they're going to be able to sit back and say, check it out. I have pulsing effects as well from something that I got from a drugstore. They will be able to fight that. And if that's the case, why don't we just go back to the Wild West? Let dudes do whatever they're going to do. Because now you're making exceptions and you're pretty much putting holes in the game strictly for superstars. So just to kind of reiterate what's been going on, um, this pat and this is according to MMAfighting.com. Tuesday, there was a hearing with the Nevada State Athletic Commission following a three-hour meeting. The UFC light heavyweight champ John Jones was granted a one-fight license to compete on, on uh, March 2nd versus Anthony Smith at UFC 235. Jones will be required to be drug tested at least twice a month until the fight, and he will have to continue with a rigorous testing regimen in order to be licensed again. Nevada State Athletic, the Nevada State Athletic Commission Chairman Anthony Marnell, who people are right now are hailing like he did the best thing ever, but what he said is, "I like what I hear, I like what I see, but the proof's in the pudding." So I'm happy. I'm happy that you're back here. You'll always be treated with respect here. And I wanted to make sure that you were understood that today, welcome back to Nevada and do the right thing from this point forward. As you know, we're going to be visiting you frequently. So this is them giving him another opportunity. Are other fighters going to be able to get the same? This sets a bad precedent for them. Okay, so... I don't know um, when you're looking at it in the grand scheme of things. Again, I think it's a bad look. But look, John Jones gets his way once again. Are we surprised? I don't think so. All right. Um, <laughs> a little bit on a lighter note. Conor McGregor's teammate, um, longtime SBG Ireland standout. You can say standout um, with one of the sauciest records ever in MMA with a 500 record of 14 and 14. Um, Artem Lobov has just officially been released by the UFC, and now he is also calling out Bellator. He's calling out Pauli Malignaggi. He's calling out many different people all over the place. And to me, all this is is him going out and trying to get a fight. So look, I'm not mad at you. Go out there and get your money. Um, Artem Lobov is somebody who is always entertaining, but. I'm never going to sit back and say he was one of the most skilled guys out there. He's just not. I mean, he benefited from Conor being such a big superstar. Otherwise, I think the UFC would have cut him a long time ago. All right. This, for me, um, was one of my favorite things that happened this week. Max Blessed Holloway, one of my favorites in the game, did something interesting. He went ahead and actually traveled to Dublin, Ireland, and he went out there and pretty much um, was a guest of Jameson uh, Irish Whiskey. They wrote him a bottle. He was shown around, took a lot of pictures. He put up an IG post saying that they're the best. They have tradition. They're not a 
a, a, a fad. This is what Irish whiskey really is. And uh, he is the official fighter of, of, of their Irish whiskey. Look, that's hilarious. And he also went to Croke Park. Croke Park is the main stadium um, of the soccer team out there in Ireland that Conor McGregor has been wanting a huge stadium fight. Um, and he's been asking that that for years at Croke Park. So pretty much Max Holloway, who lost Conor McGregor way back when he was 20 years old. He ended up losing a close um, decision to McGregor back in the day at 145 pounds. Uh, since then, Conor McGregor is seven and two. Um, they have each four title fights. Conor McGregor has six knockouts. Um, on the other side, we have Max Holloway. He's on a 13 fight winning streak since that time. He's 13 and no, he has also four title fights. And in that same time period, he has eight, um, finishes. So, uh, obviously Max Holloway has grown a lot since that time. And he's pretty much calling him out, man. He went to that man's backyard, pissed in his lawn and said, guess what? I'm here now. I love it. I love it, man. That is what actual smart trash talking is. That's smart. You know, it's classy. He still went about it the right way. And man, Max Holloway proves once again, that he's one of the baddest dudes out there, man. He went to a rival's hometown, went out there and said, check it out. My whiskey, this whiskey is better than, better than yours. And they stand with me. The football team that you love and respect, they ride with me. And um, guess what? Conor McGregor said absolutely nothing about it. And this is why I found this to be interesting. Donald Cowboy Cerrone is also vying for that shot, right? He goes out there and he's real gracious um, after beating up, um, you know, and getting a win this past uh, week or two weeks ago at this point in time now. And it seems like both of those guys wanted each other. Conor McGregor says, oh, man, you earned a shot. You know, they said they're going to drink together, bring your whiskey. The other one says, I bring your beer, whatever. It's super friendly, right? And I obviously think that it is a fight that I would love to see. I've said it here on the show. I think that Conor McGregor versus Donald Cowboy Serena would be an incredible fight. It would be an incredible fight for both fighters. It'll be a better fight for Donald Cerrone because Donald Cerrone wins that fight. He ends up moving forward. Each, I mean, it's really like a title eliminator if you look at it that way. But Max Holloway being the long-reigning 145-pound champion, moving up, fighting Conor McGregor, and doing it in such a disrespectful way, as a fan, I am now more intrigued in that matchup than I am watching him fight Cowboy Cerrone. Why wouldn't I be? They actually have history. Max Holloway has the right to say I was only 20 years old. I was a baby in this sport and I haven't lost since. And I have the game plan to beat him. 145 pound champ versus former 145 pound champ. The 155 pound division is pretty much right now up in the air because of what's going on with Khabib. Max just fought. Connor can come back in April. It's a perfect fight because here's the thing. If Connor wins that fight, look, UFC, you got what you wanted. 
Conor McGregor beat a legitimate champion, and now he can legitimately fight for the title again. He really is that guy. Give it to him. Or Max Holloway goes out there, blasts through him, and he can again say, look, not only am I the best in the game, I beat your golden boy. That fight that I did back in the day was nothing. And here are Conor fans. Conor fans are going to look at it and say, hey, check it out. Max, you know, Conor blew his knee out that fight. But a lot of people don't know Max Holloway was just as injured that match as well. I think the fans can get behind this. I think the there's um, history, and I think they can really market this even more than they could market the Cowboy Cerrone fight. So, very interesting, man. I like to see what happening, what happens with that. All right, really quick, somebody brought up something to my attention that I felt, and I'm going to keep it with MMA right now, and I'm actually going to keep it with Max Holloway just a little bit. In regards to Aaron Pico, Aaron Pico, who took a Terrible loss to Henry Corrales um, this past weekend. Um, Huge knockout loss after he was winning the fight. People look at Aaron Pico and say, man, he's young in this sport. He's only 22 years old. Look at the past champions and see how they they have taken early losses in their career, but have bounced back. For instance, people have brought up Max Holloway. And they'll sit there and say, Max Holloway, look, he turned pro at 20 years old. He entered the UFC at 22. He lost his debut and he was three and three after six fights. He has since put together a 13 fight win streak. He's the number four pound for pound fighter in the world. Aaron Pico turned pro at 20. He is now 22. And because his last couple of losses and the way he has lost, people are starting to write him off. They're saying, hey, and this is what Aaron Pico also said. He said, hey, I'm 22 years old. I don't have this game figured out yet. It's something that needs to be slowed down for me. I need to use my wrestling a little bit more, and we'll go from there. We'll go to the drawing board. Okay. That's the right thing to say, and we could all say, yes, Aaron Pico will eventually be a champion. He's the best that we have seen in terms of a prospect, right? I'm totally fine with that. I can see that I, I completely understand it. But here's my personal concern. Yo, man, he got blasted. And both times that he's actually lost in his early career, yes, his first fight, he was stopped by choke, right? We'll say he got caught in a guillotine and he, he's so tough he didn't tap out. How did he get into that position? He got touched up. He got rocked. And once he was rocked, then he ended up getting choked. This fight, he goes out there and gets completely put to sleep. Chins do not get better the farther you get along in your combat sports career. Name me one. And name me one person that's chin has gotten better. We can say if guys move up a weight class, we can look at people, for instance, like an Anthony Smith or, you know, any of those guys who've bumped up from, um, um, what's his name, Robert Whitaker. We, we can bring up a lot of different names, but they moved up in weight classes. 
Dustin Poirier comes to mind. Oh, Dustin Poirier has a glass chin. But that's because he was pretty much sucking himself down so much. The moment he got to 55, he doesn't get touched up the exact same way. Because he's hydrated. So, barring the fact that Aaron Pico moves up a weight class, which maybe he can, I don't see his chin. I do not see his chin getting better. Do you? Does anybody? I don't think so. So it really brings the question, unless he truly changes his game plan and says, I'm going right back to my wrestling and my jujitsu. I'm going to I'm going to use my striking. I'm going to turn into GSP. If he does that, then yes, yes, he can have a longstanding career. But when he gets into these firefights with guys who are better and better and better opposition, the only thing that's going to happen is gonna, he is going to continue to get touched up. And if he gets touched up, hey, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. All right. Um, before we go and continue with fight news of the week and on this episode 72 of the Fight Podcast, I want you guys to remember the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Um, contact Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com for all of your meal prep needs around the Chicagoland area. They will also write and program workouts for you. Check them out. They're great all right um uh moving right along all right um moving to boxing a little bit actually no before we get to boxing um i want to talk about what is next for ryan bader um ryan bader just went ahead and won the uh bellator heavyweight uh grand prix um he's also the light heavyweight champion before i was saying that he was a free agent but it seems like he actually has one fight left uh, on his contract, and that's um, what he said when he was on Era Hawani show this past week, the Era Hawani show, and I believe that's on ESPN. What do I think is going to happen with um, with Ryan Bader, and what's next? Check it out. He's a, he has one fight left on his contract, but there's a couple different options for Ryan Bader. It depends on where he wants to stay. If he wants to drop back down and fight at a hundred and um, at at two hundred five at light heavyweight. He could fight Liam McGeary, who's on a little bit of a win streak. Or with somebody brought up, which I found to be interesting, he can fight Tito Ortiz. He actually lost to Tito Ortiz in UFC 132 via guillotine choke. Uh, Tito Ortiz recently retired, but he's come back and just beat the, sh- beat the hell out of Chuck Liddell. He wants to continue fighting. I think Bellator would be willing to sign him again, and that is a fight that you can actually sell. Um, if he stays at heavyweight, check Congo, who's currently on a five-fight win streak, former UFC standout at heavyweight. Um, he's about to fight Vitaly, Vitaly Minikov, who's a former Bellator champ, another Russian champ destroyer, beast of a man. They're fighting for the number one contender tournament uh, shot at the heavyweight belt. Both fights, I think, are winnable fights for for um, for Ryan Bader. I personally think since he has defended his belt at 205, he should go up there and defend his belt at heavyweight, legitimize, legitimize his throne at heavyweight, and then we'll see what he can go ahead and do um, with his career. He'll be a free agent. Then we can say, man, let's bring him back to the UFC and fight 
Cain Velasquez, John Jones? Does he do that? Or does he stay with Bellator? Or does he go to one championship, fight Brandon Vera? He has options. And now with what's going on with one championship, one championship coming to the uh, American market, signing that deal with TBS, having their streaming service as well, they're going to start making noise in the American market. They're offering fighters a lot of money. At least that's what Eddie Alvarez is saying. He can go there. There are players in the game, man, and now we can really see who's going to be the best. Are there going to be more trades? Will the UFC Bellator win championship PFL do a tournament with their champions to determine who is the best of the best? There are options out there. I love what I'm seeing with free agency and MMA. And we'll keep seeing what's going on. All right. So, in, in moving right along, um, going into boxing. And uh, look, I'm actually going to go ahead and bring a um, friend of the show, Brandon Camille, is going to go ahead and come back to the show this week. We're going to do an in-depth boxing podcast. It's going to be a little bit more de- debate uh, form. And we're going to go back and forth. We each have some points. It's going to almost be like first take. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and talk, but I want to really, I spend a lot of time talking about MMA and I understand that. So what I wanted to do is really reach out to people who love the sweet science, because I want to make sure that I'm giving the sweet science just as much love and respect on this show. Um, because I truly do love and appreciate the sport, man. So I'm bringing Brandon back and we're going to really deep dive into a uh, boxing coming up this week but i did want to go ahead and bring this up coming up excuse me um a couple things abner Mates just pulled out of his fight with javante davis and now javante davis will fight former junior featherweight world champion hugo ruiz ha ah, okay so is this and I'm putting the question out there. Is this good or bad for Javante Davis's career? And I'm going to go out on the limb and say, actually, this is bad. If he goes out here and beats Hugo Ruiz on short notice. The consensus is going to be short notice fight. He's supposed to beat somebody who is a former champion who is on the back end of his career. That's not a big name. But on the other t- the other hand, Abner Mates is a name. Abner Mates is a really legitimate, capable, still in his prime athlete. If he does not have a fight with somebody like Abner Mates, we cannot sit back and legitimize Javante Davis like he wants to be anointed. He's not going to get the paydays. He's not going to get the main events if he doesn't have somebody on his resume like Abner Mates. Look at Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather beat great fighters. The fight between him and Diego Corrales was the one where people really had to take notice and say, dang, he's a bad dude. That's what he needs. And that's what Abner Midas would actually bring to the table. Um, look, we'll see what happens, but I'll say this. If he does not get a quality opponent soon 
the rest of the division, the Lomachenkos, the Tevin Farmers, all of these guys are going to surpass him and people are going to continue talking about them and not Gervonta Davis. Um, sticking with boxing, Terrence Crawford responds to Keith Thurman after his win um, this past weekend against um, that guy he beat. It's slipping my mind right now. I apologize. Um, I, it'll come back to me in a second. But Terrence Crawford responds on IG Live and says that, check this out. I have fought tougher opponents than any other welterweight champ right now. He says, I fought more champs than Keith Thurman. I fought more chance, champs than Errol Spence Jr. I'm the best of the best at this time. He's fought a lot of good competition, and I think he has made um, people not look as good. He did beat up Joe Smith. Joe Smith is a tough, tough guy. But, and this is my opinion and my opinion only, does he have a better strength of schedule than Keith Thurman? Keith Thurman has beaten Sean Porter, and he has beaten um, Danny Garcia both of which we can possibly say are better than anybody that Terrence Crawford has fought to this point in time. Errol Spence Jr. has beaten Peterson and beaten Kell Brook, both of which who are extremely talented fighters. They're in the same vein as the guys that, um, that Keith Thurman and Crawford has beaten. The difference is that he's beaten guys who are bigger in that weight class. So I guess only time would tell. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to go on the limb. And I've been watching a lot of fights. Um, a lot of uh, Terrence Crawford. I've been watching a lot of um, Errol Spence Jr. And who does, Terrell, uh, who does uh, Terrence Crawford match up better against? If Terrence Crawford goes out there and fights Keith Thurman, he knocks out Keith Thurman. I think he's aggressive. I think the way he changes angles and, and really lands huge shots on his opponents, the way he's a dog and he just attacks and he utilizes your aggression against you and then he capitalizes on it. I think Keith Thurman walk, he gets hit entirely too much, walks into a shot and gets finished by Terrence Crawford. On the other hand, I don't see that happening with Errol Spence Jr. I still believe Errol Spence is too big for Terrence Crawford, and I think he's too big for Mikey Garcia. Look, man, only time will tell. I think Terrence Crawford is more skilled. Barely. He's more skilled in a different way. He's more flashy. But I think Errol Spence just hits so much harder. And if you get caught in a position and are sloppy against Errol Spence, which Terrence Crawford tends to do from time to time, if that happens, he's going to get caught. And if he gets caught like that, he's going to sleep. Look, man, I'm just the messenger. I think that's what ends up happening, okay? So, um, look, all in all, I love that. And this is what the good thing about it is. What is the positive about Terrence Crawford? All of these guys are starting to call each other out. I hear Errol Spence calling out Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford calling out Keith Thurman. I don't hear Keith Thurman calling anybody out, but he still thinks he has a claim to the belt. Only person he's actually called out recently was Manny Pacquiao. And he's trying to take advantage of an old fighter. Look, will I like to see that fight? Sure. 
Does Manny Pacquiao have a chance to win that fight? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, man, I'm not as high as on Keith Thurman as a lot of people are. But out of sight and out of mind, he hasn't competed in almost two years. And when you haven't competed in almost two years in the best weight class in the world, you might get left behind. So we'll see what ends up happening with that, man. Um, look, there's been a lot going on, man. It's been a lot of um, a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fight news. Um, I'm really happy that, that we're starting to get a little, even though I don't like the suspensions, I'm happy that we actually have some kind of conclusion with this Conor McGregor, um, uh, Khabib situation. I'm tired of hearing both of their names. Unless they're fighting, I don't really care. So look, I'm happy that we're finally moving forward that and we might finally be able to pretty much get this 155 pound division up and rocking. Um, but we'll see what happens. Also, this week, uh, they just had the original pr- the press conferences with the UFC that's going to happen in London later on this year. We're going to have Darren Till headlining, fighting against one of my personal favorites, Jorge Masvidal. I think that's going to be a really entertaining fight um, at 170 pounds. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think um, Jorge could surprise some people. He has great kickboxing. He has great wrestling. Um, and I think that Darren Till will force him to fight. So we'll end up seeing what happens with that really soon. But check this out. Man, that's pretty much all I have for today, man. That's fight news. Um, I will be back this week with, um, like I was telling you guys, Brandon, Camille, and I will be back to break down some fights. Um, We'll be back also. We're bringing back uh, prospect alerts. So I'm going to tell you guys about some of the up-and-coming prospects that are still competing in MMA, kickboxing, and boxing. And uh, we're going to break down some fights, man. So uh, coming up, as you guys remember... We still have the big fight cards coming up, um, headlined by um, Marlon Marias and Rafael Asensio. I told you guys last week who I thought's going to win, but uh, it pretty much stays the same, and we'll break those fights down once again for you guys later on this week before the event on Saturday. Um, hey. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. Um, This is the Fight Podcast. I'm Serge Vicente, your host. This is episode 72. Thank you guys for listening, man. Um, Sage Eats is the host of... uh, (laughs) Sage Eats uh, is brought to you... Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week, man, by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Follow us on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast, at Serge Vicente, on Twitter at The Serge Vicente, and uh, support the show. Check us out on the on thefightpodcast.com. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, any place you listen to your podcasts. Thank you guys again for listening. I will see you guys next time right here on The Fight Podcast. Peace out.